All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume, imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to DraftKings Network. It's a beautiful morning. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. That is me. With me, as always, super producer Brandon Newman. And back from uh, drunken golf debauchery, my father, Mike Golick Sr. Dad, how are you feeling this morning? First, let me say, you know, I was in Kiowa Island out in, in South Carolina, a little bit uh, about 40 minutes outside of Charleston. It was for Greg Olson's golf tournament. You know, Greg Olson's one of his, his sons had a heart condition that he went through when he was younger. And he raises a lot of money. In, in those efforts there, and does a great job, and Greg Olson's a phenomenal guy, and and so that was, the tournament was for, and it was, it was great to go out there and see him, and then you always, and when you go out to these, you, and you know, Mike, you always wonder who you're going to, who's your foursome going to be, who are you going to get put with in these things, and I had a great group of guys, the, the only issue is the guy that kind of put it together, his job is he's part of a, an alcohol company. So he's very proud of his tequila, and so much so that we, we, we celebrated with a few, I won't say a few shots, a few bottles of their tequila, and that turned around into an interesting, interesting thing. And, and, and to add to it, one of the players, three-year-old son and wife was with us about the last four or five holes with us in, in that, and, and the kid had a little mini driver. He made contact every time he swung the club. Every single time he swung the club, he made contact. I mean, so I'm in about probably another 17 years, I'll be looking for that kid on tour. So great cause, great time, great group of guys, but yeah, I, uh, I'm paying the price for it, bottom line. 
Hey, listen, wise man once said you got to pay what you owe, and you hit yep. at the most yep. interesting part to me of every charity golf tournament I've ever been to, which is assessing the group and then assessing the <clears throat> round. Because you got to figure yes. out, am I with a bunch of guys that want to try and actually win this thing? Are we even capable of that? And so there's always a point where midway through the round, you're looking at your scorecard and what everyone's relative right. blood alcohol content is. And you're deciding, yep. do we have a shot at this and do we need to mix in a few waters? Or are we going to head back to the margarita station because this thing is too far gone for all of us? And it sounds like you guys chose the latter because, Dad... I only noticed that in our family group chat, you just start sending the finished bottles of tequila into the chat. Yeah. You've got a flight coming up that afternoon, and my mom is just sitting over on the other end wondering what's going on. This is what happens when you don't have supervision. I always say, you at a golf tournament by yourself can be a force of nature and end up going to the bathroom deep in the woods or something crazy like that. How you explained the, these tournaments is a 1,000% correct is assessing your group, and then where are you in the round? Three hole. we parred the first four holes before we, we got a birdie. Oh, so, what? And, and you know you know in these tournaments, you ain't winning with pars. I mean, these tournaments are 15 to 20 under, where you got to be birdieing almost every hole, and we were not. And we weren't, we weren't like, oh, that was close. It was, we were struggling <laughs> to save pars. You know, we, we were... I just just gripping to not bogey. And so three, four holes in, we knew exact just what you said, we knew what our lot was. We were out there having fun. All of a sudden, you know, we were get we were saying we're gonna have our net we had our opening shot, then we had another shot at tequila, I think, after the first hole, and then we're like, Okay, we're gonna wait for our first birdie for the next shot. Well, as I mentioned, four holes in we had pars, so we changed our strategy to where pars became good enough for shots. And uh, the, 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 it is amazing how quickly your game goes downhill when you don't start mixing in water. But the fun level was off the charts. We had a really good time. That's the thing. It's the 0 and 16 or 16 and 0 principle, right? You either want to be great or yep. terrible. Yep. There's nothing interesting <clears throat> about going 8 and 8 at the charity tournament. You either want to be the team with one of the trophies <laughs> or you want to be the fun team where everyone is asking, yes. hey, I want that my guy in my group come around next <clears throat> time. So safe to say you were more the latter, but hey, it's good to stand for something there and to get to know the people that sling the booze. Um, we got a great show for you guys today. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review, leave us a five-star rating, and check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel and DraftKingsNetwork.com as well as Samsung TV Plus. I had my first instance where I was out at a bar somewhere a couple weekends ago in Pittsburgh. I saw DKN on one of the TVs behind the bar. I saw our ugly mugs up there. So glad that people are getting on board with that and checking us out live or yep. with the rear. Uh, we got Pablo Torre, Metal Art Media and ESPN commentator, our very own good friend, a guy I used to do a bunch of shows with at ESPN. He's going to join us here later in the show as, Dad, we get set to break down this Denver Nuggets championship. Uh, it finally happened, and we talked about this yesterday when you were gone, Dad. I'm always nervous at the end of basketball season because then we're wading into the unknown of the rest of yeah. the summer, yeah. and content gets a little bit dry to come by. About midway through that game last night, I was like, all right, maybe it's time for basketball season to be over because that game got good at the end but was terrible for the rest of it. So it's one of those where you're hoping for that Picasso, right? That if Denver is going to win it or if Miami's going to extend it, you're looking for the Picasso. We got a kindergarten finger painting 
<laughs> That's what we got for a game. I, I said it looked right? like it looked I mean, like recess. It, it looked like they were playing sports at recess in this game. It was it was horror. I mean, there was a point where I caught a, a, a glimpse of Malone on the sideline after a back and forth of the ball bouncing anywhere, and he's just like with his hands, like almost like calm down. He, it was almost like a parent, you know, at a kid kid birthday party that was getting out of hand, saying. Calm down, kids. You're getting a little wild and out of control. This was awful. I mean, I I still can't believe the one point before you got a cup of some clutch free throws by who was it? KCP and um and I think uh, Bruce Brown, right? Um, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, they were nine nine of nineteen. I thought that was the three point stat. That was free throws at one point for Denver. Nine of nineteen. They were awful. Until they hit the ones they needed at the end, it was brutal. Jimmy Butler played one of the worst game shooting that you've seen out of him, and now we're waiting for the two weeks later, what surgery is he going to have, you know, or what's the ailment, you know, the ankle that, that will have caused that. But then he got hot in the fourth quarter. But to your point, man, this was a game that just felt like work for both teams. It, it did. It was sludge because you mentioned – you look up at the stat line for Denver in winning this game. Like you said, from the yeah. free throw line, they end they ended up in this game 13 of 23 from the free throw line. They ended up 5 of 28 from three, and they ended up with 14 turnovers in this game. At the beginning, they couldn't stop turning the ball over. They were down by as much as 10 at some points in this game. All of it seemed like it was exactly what the Miami Heat wanted in a basketball game, Dad, which we've talked about, is to just make it sludge. We saw a bunch of that zone pop back up to try and limit the Jokic and Murray two-man game, and they were not able to do it. At the end of the day, the bigger, faster, stronger thing came back into play here. You had Michael Porter Jr., keep chucking up threes, finally hit yeah. one of them, but overall his effectiveness came when he just decided I'm going to go to the basket and be tall. Double-double in this game, I think 16 points, 13 rebounds. Aaron Gordon with one of the funniest blocks that you've ever seen on poor Kyle Lowry late in that game, yeah. where he just swallowed him whole like a whale in the Bible. And Dad... It all culminates in Denver getting their first championship. So just stopping right there for this, is there any larger takeaway from Denver winning this championship this season? Is there anything in a league full of you know, super teams and the way we've seen teams break up and get together so quickly? Is there any larger takeaway right now for the NBA now that Denver lifts its first championship in franchise history? And by the way, first one in 47 years, longest ever to take uh, in, in the NBA. Before that, it was the Cavaliers before LeBron brought him a championship. Uh, I think the takeaway, Mike, is is that they – I mentioned their seeding in the Western Conference over the last five years a, a few shows back, and a couple times number one or right at number two or number three. You know, they, they were high up there, and it felt like they could never close the deal, so they were always kind of the forgotten – yeah, they're kind of like the Minnesota Vikings – Finish with a good regular season record, right? And then don't do enough in in the playoffs to, to make them say, okay, they're for real. So you took Denver to a point of being for real. You had an MVP and Joker, but they couldn't get over the hump. So my bigger take was that this team finally did that. They 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 
justified those high rankings and the building, kind of the homegrown team that they've been. They've justified it. Now, it's amazing what one championship does because it's a team that never got over... Never got over the hump, right? They never got over the hump. And now, and, and so they were kind of, as I mentioned, forgotten about. Now they won one, and all of a sudden it's like, how many can they win now? And then will this become the dynasty like Golden State? I mean, it's unreal how the talk shifts when you get that first title. And I want to make it abundantly clear, though. That is not a media creation. That was Michael Ooh. Malone. Michael Malone, who yes. was standing up all series long saying, we haven't done anything yet. We haven't accomplished anything yet. Got to the podium, accepted the Larry O'Brien from Stan Kroenke, his owner, and then got to the microphone and said, we got a great young team and looked up at the fans and said, we're not satisfied with just one. We're going to get right back here next year. Michael Malone, who was the one constantly griping about how they were covered immediately kickstarted the next sports talk radio segment of is this Nuggets team a dynasty which dad maybe for a guy pining for respect this whole postseason is exactly what he wants them leading the charge in the conversation that's going to come up in the NBA offseason oh and that's that's also the big talk that you hear now is with the new CBA it's supposed to really kind of stop the super team talk because of the tax and the money situation that can go on. You know, Joker already had signed that Supermax extension. Jamal Murray has two more years on his deal, but I think can redo a deal uh, at this point, which obviously he's going to get paid. And we know how it is. You get those the, the, your stars done, and then who do you build around it? And is it going to get harder to do? But Malone's ready to go for another few. Hey, Dad. What do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge. You grab the bull by the horns. You find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. All right, Dad, I'm going to give you the two keys to this game, the two bits of secret sauce that allowed the Denver Nuggets to finally close this thing out, make me look right with the 5-1 gentleman, or 4-1 gentleman sweep in the NBA Finals for the world champion Denver Nuggets. But first, I'm going to read you this, because while I don't like that the owner gets to be the first person with the trophy on the stage, and I thought we saw way too much Stan Kroenke in the postgame proceedings, 
It is a pretty impressive portfolio Buddy has built right now. Stan Kroenke-owned teams, according to Adam Schefter, have now won four championships in the last year and a half. You've got the 2022 Super Bowl champion Rams, the and I'm glad they're getting love, 2022 NLL National Lacrosse League champion Colorado Mammoth in the Indoor League. The Colorado Avalanche won the Stanley Cup last year, and now he adds the Denver Nuggets who have won this title. He also owns Arsenal over in the Premier League and the Colorado Rapids of the MLS. Neither have won a championship there. So, Dad, Stan Kroenke doing pretty well for himself in identifying Colorado area talent. Yeah, yeah, he really is. I mean, how, what, we're great for the area. I, I didn't know, I didn't even realize he owned all that he owns. And you mentioned the, even the other things that he owns as well. But then leading to championships is uh, is very cool. So it's an invested owner. Again, he'll be tested in the next year or two from the NBA side when you have guys making the money that they're making. You know, Porter's making, what, 30 or, or something like that. Um uh, Jamal Murray's in that area, Joker 33, I think Aaron Gordon at 19 mil. So how much will he be able to keep that up with the new CBA? But, you know, man, that's a guy. And 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 listen, as much as sometimes you don't want to see the owner get handed the trophy, you'd rather see the coaches and players right away, man, it's their ball. It's their ball. They sign the check. So I have no problem with giving that trophy to the owner first. It's, it's, well, his, and- it's his money in there. You mentioned the difficulty he's going to have here. It is worth considering, and I had someone point this out to me yesterday. The fact that if you're Stan Kroenke, you have led organizations that have gone about acquiring championships in two of the most polar opposite ways possible in the Rams and in this Denver Nuggets team. Think about it. Denver, the poster for, hey, we're going to crockpot set this and forget this. We believe we've got the right ingredients, and it's just going to take time, baby. And on the other side, you have got the bleep them picks, burn the boats Los Angeles Rams who sacrifice past and future to secure that championship in 2022 so he's seen it happen a variety of ways and I do think it's fascinating that someone could look and it does you know underscore a number of things right the expectation of one team versus another a team in the Rams that you brought from St. Louis and ticked a lot of people off to Los Angeles and needed to see results right away in that city versus this Denver team that was sort of allowed to sit back and not really deal with the pressures that come with most NBA franchises. Because, Dad, if you look at what I think are the two keys in this game, the first is have a superstar player in Nikola Jokic who just flat out doesn't want to be there. Like, you have got a guy who doesn't want to engage in any of the mess of this league, doesn't want to sit there and use his power to try and get things done on the team or for himself, and just wants to go anywhere else. Nikola Jokic at the post-game press conference when asked about the championship parade, was my favorite moment of the post-game proceedings. Listen to this. Um, you said after the Lakers win, you said you were surprised that you didn't feel more. So I'm curious what you are feeling right now, and if you're looking forward to a parade coming up in Denver. When is parade? When is parade? Thursday. No. <laughs> I need to go home. Hello. <laughs> okay. Uh, he is so stressed <laughs> by the notion of having done. to celebrate this championship. And Dad, at every turn last night, we saw Nikola Jokic presented with the opportunity to have fun and completely turned down work on that. And so having a guy who just is literally here to play basketball during the allotted time and then wants to go home and hang out with his horses seems to be the first leg of the secret sauce for what's allowed this Nuggets team to get where they are because when you've got a star that isn't concerned with what's my legacy going to be,
be and do I need to push the right buttons and just trust the organization, this can be the outcome that you get. It, it, it is stunning. This is, he's a guy, he, he, you know, we talk about how we, Mike, we got to play a game, you know, and I got to the point where I got paid to play the game. It was my job. I get it. Uh, but, and, and you have to treat it like a job, but it is still a game. He, he's one of the few superstars I've seen where it legitimately feels like it, I, this is, I, this is, I'm going to go, I'm going to work. I'm, go, I'm going to work and I can't wait to go home. You know, I'm driving into work and I'm looking forward to my nine to five job to five o'clock when the whistle blows and I can go home and put my kid on my shoulders and hang out with the livestock and just be done with it. And then know when I get up, I have to go to work again. And oh, by the way, he'll go down as one of the greatest of all time to ever do it. I mean, it's, it's just stunning how he at times looks bothered out there. Boy, there was, he was ticked off on that. Remember the one moment last night on the bench, he was he was going off. So when he's in his when he's in his element, he's in his element. He is one of as as even the other players say, not not his teammates, others around the league. He is one of the smartest players they ever play against. And I love what LeBron said about him. You're off balance when you guard him because he can do so much with the ball. He's not a one trick pony. But it just it does. It seems like he goes to work, he puts in his time, and he goes home. I, and, I, and I'm not saying he, he, he shortchanges himself. He obviously does the work that's needed to be as great as he is. But there is no doubt. I don't even know if basketball would be on number two in his list of priorities. It seems like family would be number one. I got to believe there might even be a couple of more things in there before you got to basketball the horses. I bet it's the horses. Yeah. I bet he likes those yeah. horses more than he likes basketball. Yeah. I would not be surprised. It, you know what, Dan, I think also feeds into this because you saw after the game, one, his wife does, seemed full of emotion. She was celebrating hard with yeah. their daughter in the stands. She looked like she was having a blast. But then you saw the Jokic brothers grabbing Michael Malone and throwing him up in the air. I bet most of his anxiety is the fact that he knows what what partying with his brothers means. And he's probably seen some things over the years that just remind him that partying with them probably seems stressful. For Jokic, who seems like he's a little bit more of a reserved person, to go out for a night on the town with those guys that were ready to party after that game has to be a little bit stressful. And so I felt like he has probably seen too much of that over the years and just wants to go home and not have... He wants plausible deniability for what's about to go down there. Yeah, he, he's ready for the offseason. I mean, to be that kind of disgruntled or disenchanted over your championship parade for the team you just led to the championship and be like, oh no, I've got to go home. I mean, that was just unreal. There's a parade inside my city, yeah. And I want to get the hell out of that city as fast as possible so I'm nowhere near that parade. Congratulations, Nikola Jokic, your finals MVP. <laughs> The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans will feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. 
in New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. So I gave you the first ingredient to the Nuggets championship. Dad, do you want to know the second thing that allowed them to get over the hump last night, exercise their demons, and now finally crown themselves champions of the free world? I'm always interested in ingredients uh, before I, you know, eat something. So, yes, tell me more. Red Panda. Red Panda halftime performance. Once I saw that pop up last night and the Nuggets were playing as sorry as they were, I knew that if this team had any intestinal fortitude whatsoever, they were going to show out once Red Panda hit the stage at halftime. And I don't want to hear from any of you weird narcs about how she dropped a bowl at halftime or whatever you think you saw. I do not see it. I do not acknowledge it. Red Panda has never dropped a bull, ever as far as I'm concerned, and any slander will not be tolerated. Dad, they were in the presence of greatness, and they let him kick them in the ass and get them into gear, and I'm thankful for it, and so should they be. <clears throat> the, the thing that's a shame with Red Panda is she's so good that the expectation is to always be flawless, and it almost, it's like still every, every now and then when I watch hockey, and luckily we still have that sport to watch for a little bit longer. Every now and then I realize they're doing all of this on skates. They're skating better than I can walk or I can run. And and because you start to take it for granted. And I think with Red Panda, you start to take that for granted that it's just going to be a flawless show and not realize how frigging hard it is to do that. Obviously, there's a ton of practice involved but still it's ridiculous on the on the skill factor and the difficulty factor it's insane i I, anyone that goes and tries to find fault in that is just a card-carrying hater nothing's ever going to be good enough for you likely because you've never accomplished anything worth value and so you've got to sit here (laughs) and try and find ways to tear down some of the all-time greats it makes me sick you should be ashamed of yourself take a long walk (laughs) off a short ledge or a look in the mirror and figure out how you're going to be better going forward because red panda brought that juice so denver write her a thank you note invite her to the parade let her go out there and give the speech instead of Jokic. he didn't want that plaque platform dad the guy's the finals mvp right now he's probably at this point the very unfun answer for a lot of people the very easy answer to who the best player in the world is right you've got a 28 year old coming into the prime of his career with two regular season mvps and a finals mvp now with one of the most unique skill sets in basketball on a team that has made him the focal point and it worked and we got that on the top end and so he is also completely not uninterested in being the face of that team or being the face of the league. And that's where we're at now. So I'll, I'll be interested after he gives his speech at the parade, which nobody is expecting to be riveting. And listen, all the stuff we're saying about him, we're not saying in a derogatory way. I love the guy. I mean, he is phenomenal and everybody approaches the game different. So this isn't said with any kind of disgust toward the guy. This is just who he is. He is going to want to get off that stage so quickly, juxtapose his his talk, and then go back and show Jason Kelsey's talk when the Eagles won, when he was in the Mummer outfit, 
you know, swearing and yelling and screaming and how much he enjoyed that moment to how little Joker is probably going to enjoy that moment and want to get off that stage and go home. Well, it, it is a reminder that there are so many different types on a team. Like I saw Josh paid over a late kick the other day was asked the question about do college football players right now love the game less on average than their counterparts from you know the 80s or 90s. And Deb, we see this come up as generations come by a lot of times, people looking yeah. at the way players approach the game now. But even with side of team, I mean, hell, you played on a defense with more personalities than maybe any defense that people could remember in that, ga- in that uh, unit in Philadelphia. There are so many different ways people come to the game. The game means so many different things to different people. And at the end of the day, I don't care if this is the most fun two and a half hours of your life when we go out there and play this game, or if it feels like you're getting into the chair to go to the dentist. Can I count on you to be where you need to be when you need to be there and help me in the ways that I need to get my job done? That's really all that matters. I've had teammates who thought about quitting the game, but were some of the best players on teams I played on, and I've had teammates who it was the most important thing in the world to them, but still couldn't get right on the field. The bottom line is the bottom line, and that's really the end of the conversation when it comes to Jokic. No, it, it really is, and you're right. There, there are all different kinds, and you're right. I saw a lot in, in my years, especially uh, in Philly, and, and you just... As long as, and, and that's the one thing Jokic keeps saying. It's for the common goal, right? They play for each other. And that's, that's what you're in a team sport for. The individual accolades are awesome. But, you know, when, you, when you're growing up and shooting hoop or playing Little League baseball or football, it's not, I'm going to be in the Hall of Fame one day. It's like, I'm going to win a championship. I'm going to hit the game-winning home run. I'm going to make the game-winning shot. I'm going to score the game-winning touchdown for my team to win the championship. And it's however you get there. You know, whether you never turn the switch off when you walk off the court, the ice, or the field, or you only turn it on when you're on the ice, the court, or the field, and all the other times it's off. So you do. You see all kinds. Uh, and as I said, you get along with every uh, – sometimes you get along with most people. Nobody ever has a team where everybody always gets along. Somebody always rubs somebody the wrong way at some points. But you, as long as you're all playing for the common goal – that's the only thing that matters, especially in a team sport. And, and Denver knows that, in a way, they have been underachieving a bit with the high seeding and not getting there. And so that's why it's always an interesting question. Is it joy or relief when you, when you finally win it? And the obvious answer is going to be there's going to be a mixture of both, right? That the joy of winning it and finally we got to the mountaintop and we didn't get shoved off the mountaintop. We're the last one standing. I, I do not have any experience winning a championship. The closest I have come is watching a team that I root for in Notre Dame lacrosse win a championship this last year. And the overwhelming sense of relief for me, drunk and hot in the stands after being beaten down by the sun all day, was 100% relief. So, um... Very interesting note for them. Uh, very interesting time for us right now. Uh, friend of the program, former co-worker, ESPN and Meadowlark Media pundit, Pablo Torre joining us now here. Pablo, what's going on, buddy? Hey, guys. This is this is a great honor for me. This is my first time on, like, uh, I, I feel like you guys are – what's the relation family tree-wise between you and Levitard, who is my, like, now sweaty adopted father? How does this work with you guys? What am I to you? 
I feel like cousin would probably be the right thing for this because with Dan, it's always interesting. I don't feel I've always said Dan has no idea what to do with us because we did not go to an Ivy League school. We do not have a writing or journalism background. We're the sweaty, unwashed masses. And so I think because of that, we're like a, maybe a second cousin to you. And, and I think part of that is that the, we're we're that we're you're the cousin to us that we want around at family gatherings. Where Stu is the uncle we try and hide from everybody. We try and give him the wrong date when there's a party so he doesn't show up. You we want around, and Stu we don't. So there, there's that part of it as well. Absolutely. I mean, I should say that you guys are underselling the intimacy that I think you share with Stu Gatz because the last time. I mean, not the last time, but the thing that I imagine in my mind when I think of you, uh, Mike Sr., is simply just Stugatz digging his hands into your butt on a massage table. Like, that is the thing. Or no, it's the other way. Was it the other way around? Other way around. Who was massaging other way around. Oh, That's right. That's right. I, See, in my yeah, mind, I, I my kink is particular. Yeah, yeah I was, I was, I was <laughs> retconning <laughs> whose butt was getting massaged because that's what I'm into, <laughs> clearly. I've now revealed myself, Kojo. This is embarrassing. <laughs> oh my God. There we go. We've all we've all learned a lot about Pablo. Check out yeah. Pablo.show and subscribe so you can figure out what that kink is going to manifest once everything idea. comes into yeah. form. <laughs> Pablo, um, where on the list of your kinks is that Denver Nuggets closeout game that we saw last night? It's it's high, and I say this because I'm somebody who uh, my fetish is for like post game celebrations, because I feel like everybody is either at this point everybody knows there's so many cameras you're either performing or you're just authentically finally free to be who you are. And I was watching with great interest, like who is Nikola Jokic really? Like who is he going to reveal himself to be? And I was like, this guy is so committed to this bit. And then I realized, oh, this is not a bit. This is just him. This is, he is, he is the violation, the walking violation of what it means. Like I, I root for the Sixers and that's another kink I have. Um, I should be shamed for that kink. It's a very painful experience, but I root for the Sixers and Sixer fans, Philly fans, you, you guys know this. They love nothing more than to demand that their athletes care as much, but even better, more than they do about the right. job they're doing. And Jokic is the walking, most explicit violation of that principle I've ever seen. Like, he just authentically is telling us, and he is convincing me, that this just isn't, I don't know, is it even the metal stand of things that Nikola Jokic cares about? Like, obviously the horses, obviously like just getting home in general, like just not working. And I feel like this is, people were saying, oh, this guy isn't interesting. He is unbelievably fascinating. I mean, through this lens alone, a bunch of other stuff, too. He's, like, maybe the greatest posting performer we've seen in, like, decades now. But on this level, I'm like, I want to I know what's inside his brain. Yeah, he, yeah, he is and you mentioned po cutter. You mentioned postseason performer, Dad, before you go any further. I'd be remiss if we didn't mention that Nikola Jokic is the first NBA player in postseason history to lead the postseason in points, rebounds, and assists through the course of the entire yes. postseason. Him and Jamal Murray were, I believe, the first pair of teammates to average 25-5 and five in the finals. So, yes, every walking step along this journey has been, Dad, Nikola Jokic doing something that we've only seen like Wilt Chamberlain or Kareem do before him. Yeah, that's the thing. When you start seeing your name above Wilt and some of some of these things, it, it, you just are like in awe of of a guy and a team that rarely got talked about. So, Pablo, I'm wondering, in seeing how the stars can celebrate or talk or be out there in social media, 
is Joker, is this refreshing to you or is it mundane to you? It, it's super refreshing because there is a bravery here that is a contradiction of what fans conventionally demand. But I should say that I did do a very, um, I did a very me thing in, in that I buried the actual lead here, which is that I don't think anybody's played this well in the postseason I've ever seen. Like, I just, I just, I, I don't know anybody who has been this impressive. And so when you combine the fact, and maybe it's just that when you win a championship, you can do whatever the F you want. Like maybe that's the rule here. Maybe that it's like the Mike makes right thing. Like you can be essentially like, I don't know if I, I'm guessing Mike senior Gojo did not watch Daria on MTV. I'm guessing that he didn't see it. I don't know if you ever saw Daria, but the premise of I did like not know. joke, joke, the point, of course, neither of you guys did. I'm the one here who did, but basically it's like <laughs> this grunge character, this animated grunge high schooler who just is too cool and doesn't care about anything that's going on. And so when you are the greatest postseason performer in the modern era by that statistic that Gojo just mentioned, and you're like, I don't want to be at this parade because I got to go home on Sunday and like <laughs> there's a horse race that I got to get to, that's your legend. Like we're just watching somebody define a very specific legend. Like there's, man, this is, I'm about to tumble onto a therapy couch talking about like what it means to be a tryhard and what it means to like be cool. And Nikola Jokic is not, he is a tryhard who says he doesn't actually care about trying hard. And I just, that, that kind of breaks my brain a little bit because he is so effortful, but then he's like, actually, I don't really care about this. And I think I believe him. It's very confusing. It, it, it is quite a conundrum watching him play basketball. That man truly contains multitudes. And you're right, though. The answers seem pretty clear with him in Denver, right? DraftKings Sportsbook came out with their preseason odds favorites to win the title for next year. Denver is the favorite on that sportsbook right now. I'm sure they others will give Michael Malone the fuel that he wants. But right now, they're pretty easy to pencil in. They bring back most of their starting five. Nikola Jokic is probably the very satisfactory answer for who is the best player at the world or at the very least is in the conversation neck and neck there with Giannis Antetokounmpo. Pablo, are you shaking your head in disagreement or agreement right now? Uh, I'm shaking my head because I have to uh, nod in the direction of Joel Embiid somewhere. But Nikola Jokic is the right answer. Nikola Jokic is the right answer. And the crazy part about the Nuggets, and this is what happens, right? When you have not just him performing as well as he did, but you have Jamal Murray just announce himself finally. You know, like that guy by metrics, nobody is, we talked about the legend of Jimmy Butler all throughout the postseason, playoff Jimmy, Himmy, Jamal Murray, compared to what he is in the regular season, he has a bigger jump in postseason performance than anybody we've ever seen in the history of the NBA playoffs. What he becomes from a 16 point a game score in the regular season to a 25 point a game score in the playoffs, a guy who is averaging double digit assists all the time, you you end up tipping your cap to the people who constructed that team because the way that they did it, like the whole story of the Heat was going to be, this is a team that defied the you need superstars to win a championship rule in the NBA. It was going to be Jimmy and a bunch of other stuff. Bam was the best of that other stuff. But in the Nuggets, you actually realize, oh, wait a minute. Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, Aaron Gordon, and maybe Michael Porter Jr. sometimes. And like that's a conventional big three. That's a conventional team. And so the Nuggets absolutely should be the title favorites. And Nikola Jokic, who might be a three-time MVP winner, if not for the guy I nod in the direction of a little bit earlier, like, yeah, that, that guy is astride the entire sport. 
You mentioned the Heat, Pablo. That was where I was going to go next year. What is the epitaph on the 2022-23 Heat season now that everything that you just mentioned about what they were going to represent didn't end up coming to fruition and largely because we saw such a different Jimmy Butler, especially in Game 5, than we saw early in the postseason? Yeah, so I was in Miami with the uh, aforementioned sweaty adopted father um, that I now work for, and I watched him drop Jimmy. I watched Jimmy drop 56 on the Bucks. And I was converted. I was converted to the cult of Jimmy Butler. I got it. All of the cliches, I'm now co-signing, right? Toughness, culture, grit, all of it. When the pressure is on, he rises to it. Like, I, I believed all of that. And so I am caught between, I don't know where you guys fall on the Jeff Van Gundy scale of, I don't want to hear about anybody being injured if they're on the court. At that point, you're evaluating them as equals. But for me, it just seems obvious that he wasn't the same at a certain point. Maybe like five games ago like his left leg clearly wasn't giving him the burst i saw a lot of gojo knows this about me another one of my fetishes is ben simmons i saw a lot of jimmy butler ben simmons memes circling around my timeline crafted to torment me and obviously at the end at the end of the game last night like he was hitting big shots again but for yeah. me the legend of jimmy butler is that he towed an eight seed as far as he did and in a sane world that would be enough but when your standard is we are essentially like Miami's whole claim was to be title town. And now they can't say that they're conference fine. They're like NBA finals town. Like that doesn't really play the same. And so they're almost like they're almost hoisted on their own petard a bit. Like it's not enough to not win when you're the city that demands championships because that's really who your identity is. So uh, along those lines of, of bringing along an eight seed to maybe winning the first NBA title, do you think eight seed making the finals here was more of a one-off or do you think that we will see that sooner rather than later again? I think we might see it sooner rather than later. It's a great, it's a great question because I just think the incentives in the NBA are clearer than ever that the regular season is this appetizer, right? Like the regular season is the thing before the actual meal. And the Miami Heat, there are two ways to see them. There's a way of seeing them as, wow, again, cliches that I just mentioned. There's also the way to see them as like, oh, they were just kind of like load managing for the entire regular season. Like the real team showed up when it mattered. And I feel like the incentives, when you see an eight seed pull it off, going from the worst shooting team in, this, in the entire league, to the team that ends up being an NBA finalist, NBA almost champion, you realize it's kind of like when you see someone, it's kind of like when you just get on the plane and you're like grateful that I just made it. And I was running through the airport, but I just made it. Like that's how I feel other teams might see this heat run. Like all we gotta do is get in. We can even lose the first game of the plan. And so I think the idea that there might be a really good team that plays beneath their weight class for a regular season, gets an eight seed, and then makes a run, I think the incentives on that are clearer than they have ever been before. I would agree, and I think you have other samples to add to that one, too, between the Phoenix Suns and how they approach the trade deadline with Kevin Durant, the Lakers remaking themselves completely. There is an interesting culture war in the NBA that is a conversation to be had coming off this finals with the Denver Nuggets, and we're going to have to do it another day. Pablo, thank you so much, sir. Everyone, check out Pablo.show. Please give our sweaty Uncle Dan a good hug and uh, let him know the goal it's missing. <laughs> Yes, and apologies, uh, Mike Sr., to your butt. I slandered it, and I did not mean to do that. That's okay. That's okay. I, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, my hands being in Stu's butt, that's why I wore construction gloves, because it's not a place you want to be. Thanks, man. Yeah, Very necessary. <laughs>
<laughs> I have a feeling at some point, too, if we all play this out long enough, uh, Stu's hands are going to end up in your dirt somehow, Dad. That feels oh, like the yeah. end of the oh. prophecy that's been foretold here. So just prepare yourself. Uh, you know what I will say is those sausage fingers look pretty strong. They could do some damage. Well, if that's going to happen, I'm going to need a lot of that Don Julio I had yesterday uh, in my system before it goes on. Yeah, I was going to say, the room's going to smell like a skunk, and you're going to need to be drunk to be okay with what happens next. That is uh, probably the Stugat story, uh, all told. All right, before we get on out of here and get to this, that, and the third, three quick stories to finish off the day and send you on your way. Uh, as always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review. Let us know more what you want to hear on the fine program we got. Dad, uh, we're coming up on it right now. Father's Day. It's almost here. Yeah. Your day, Brandon's day. We've got two dads on the show. You a three-time dad, Brandon a two-time dad. Both of you, I'd imagine, a little hungry because of the BS that you have to deal with with your kids pretty constantly. And so thankfully, our friends at Omaha Steaks want to help you guys out, want to help dads everywhere out. You're going to want to get this done now here. You've waited a little bit long already, but Omaha Steaks is here to bail you out and help give dad the best meal of his life with some great steaks and the chance to grill it up for himself and everyone he loves because your dad loves putting his hand in the pile and going to work. Dads want steak, and you have a chance to help him grill up that moment and share it with you. For a limited time, omahasteaks.com, you can go there and enter the code GOJO into the search bar. There you're going to be able to order dad's favorite gift package for just $99.99. Plus, you're going to get eight free Omaha Steaks burgers with your order. I have sampled those myself. You're going to want to get involved. What you get with Dad's favorite gift package, four bacon-wrapped fillets, four premium air-chilled boneless chicken breasts, four boneless pork chops, four gourmet jumbo franks, and four made-from-scratch caramel apple tartlets for a little bit of dessert, and the Omaha Steak seasoning, and then, oh, by the way, those eight free Omaha Steaks burgers that we talked about, all for the low, low price of $99.99. Remember, gifting is easy. Dads want steak, and Omaha Steaks aren't just steak. They're the best steak of your life, guaranteed. So don't wait. Really, it's here, fellas. OmahaSteaks.com. Go and type in Gojo into the search bar and then order Dad's favorite gift package for Father's Day today. That's OmahaSteaks.com. Keyword, Gojo. Uh, man, I cannot ever get through that read without salivating. It is the toughest battle oh, that God oh. has given to me, his strongest soldier. Uh, Dad, with that in mind, let's get to this, that, and the third here. And finish things off, and this is interesting. We've talked a lot about golf. We've got the U.S. Open getting going this week at L.A. Country Club. And we've also got an announcement. According to the Wall Street Journal, Netflix is set to live stream its first sporting event this fall, according to the Wall Street Journal. A celebrity golf tournament in Vegas featuring pro golfers and Formula One drivers. So, Dad, they appear to have taken their two big sports franchises in uh, drive to survive and full swing held them together and said now kiss and are going to try and do what would I think be only Netflix's third ever live event so I, I think the two constants I would like to see in these golf matches is one I don't need to see pro golfers anymore I, I don't need it there are too many good golfers and personalities in other sports like F1 like football like whatever that I only want to see sports matched up against one another of non-professional golfers. So I'll watch this, but I, I don't need to see professional golfers anymore, even though Phil Mickelson is great talking out there and setting up shots. So first constant, I, no more PGA golfers. Don't really need that. Second constant is Charles Barkley has to be part of every single broadcast, right? 
He has to be. Don't care who's streaming it, who's filming it, where it's on. You've got to get Charles Barkley, and I have no idea if they'll get him for this. This is Netflix. I know with contracts and stuff. But there should always be a loophole in Charles Chuck's contract that says if there is a celebrity golf match, he is allowed to go on whatever network or streaming service to be the commentator because he is pure gold on those things. I agree, and I actually want to campaign for J.J. Watt to go with him as a package. I thought they were wonderful when we saw them last in the match when you had Mahomes and Josh Allen out there competing against Brady, and I believe it was Aaron Rodgers. So I'd be all for that. Netflix, I was there for the season four Love is Blind watch party, the live event that went a little sideways. I hope that was a good learning experience, and we've got that all sorted out so that this goes off without a hitch. I care about you. I want good things for you. Mostly, I want to get invited to the next Love is Blind live reunion, so I'm not going to be too critical, but get this right. This is a big one. This is a big one. Uh, Dad, speaking of big ones, let's get to that. Pat Sajak. Host of Wheel of Fortune announced this yesterday that after 41 years, he is set to call it quits on Wheel of Fortune. Daddy tweeted very cryptically that he would have more to say on this in the coming months, and that would feed all the gossip magazines. Which game show would you most like to host, Dad? Because Wheel of Fortune, probably the lightest lift among most of the game shows, seems like a pretty enticing offer. Well, well that's where I was going to go with you is... Name me the easiest hosting job. And I don't mean this to disparage Pat Sajak at all. I, I, I mean this to, to crown the king for what he's done. The dude's 76 years old, been doing this for only been 41 years. All the other hosting duties, basically you're asking questions, explaining a lot of things. But mainly, at, like think of like Jeopardy, of the hard words that you have to pronounce and how you could screw up. And even in some of the other ones, there has to be questions involved. All he, all he's doing here is basically interviewing the people about what they do before they start going. And then he says, okay, the puzzle is places, famous quotes. And then Vanna does the rest. By, by the way, which your mother in her seeing the future when she was younger said, I either want to be Vanna White or one of the first women owners of an NFL team. It's pretty good foresight because Van has had a pretty damn good career as well from having to turn the letter to now just touching it, a touch letter, uh, to where it shows up. And it lights up for you so you don't have to worry about spelling. So this is the game show I'd want to be part of, right? Just let people spin, say if they have a letter or not, and then let them do all the work of solving the puzzle. Kudos to Pat Sajak. Great run out of you. Thumbs up, baby. Yeah, listen, I'm with you on that one. I don't want to have to work that hard. But quite honestly, when yeah. you were describing what Pat Sajak's job is, he sounds like a sports talk radio host. Like, playing a bunch of... He sounds like a sports talk radio host in July. We're going to make a bunch of lists. Yeah. I am yeah. going to interview a couple of people and then just reveal what's on this list. So maybe this is Pat's second act. I have a feeling he has made enough money to where a second act is probably not something he needs to concern himself with. Uh, Dad, if I was going to pick a... The only other game show I'd want to do more would just be like Legends of the Hidden Temple or one of the like Double Dare games from when I was a kid on Nickelodeon right. just because they're near and dear to my heart. There's definitely more heavy lifting in those. Wheel of Fortune is probably one of the right answers for all the reasons that you outline. But Dad, speaking of Legends of the Hidden Temple, let's get to the third 
uh, in an incredible visual bit for an audio medium and podcasting. So shout out to the YouTube and the DraftKings Network audience. The Cleveland Browns unveiled a new logo. Dad, you're from Northeast Ohio originally. You're a Cleveland native. What do you think of the Dog Pound new logo that just looks kind of like the dressed up money version of the Georgia Bulldogs logo, if I'm being honest? I love a bulldog look. Listen, I own a bulldog, right? Your your sister owns two bulldogs. So I love a bulldog. I love a bulldog face. I'm a big fan of bulldogs, the the flat facers out there. So I, I'm a fan of this. Uh, I, I like it. And, you know, I like building around it. And the dog pound is such a legendary place uh, in Cleveland. So I'm, I'm all for this. I have no problem. And this is what we do. I mean, listen. The Cleveland Indians went away and they had to get a new name, you know, for all that goes on in the world now. Got to get rid of that. So now they're the Guardians and everybody complains. But like I said, whenever something new like this happens and there are the people on the side that don't like it and there will be here as well, in two years, it'll all be over. It won't matter. Nobody cares anymore. They move on. They, they just move on. I, I will say there is a shout out to the Guardians because they have the diagram when they release this of all the little nods to Cleveland because you know, Dad, it can never just be a picture. It's got to have a million little Easter eggs like it's a Taylor Swift yes. album release to get through to everybody. And they've got the Guardian Bridge for the mouth of the dog in there. There's, you know, spikes for the dog pound, a pound helmet. The most ridiculous one, and the only place I would push back on them, Dad, is they tried to hide an outline of the state of Ohio in the ear of the dog that looks nothing like the state of Ohio. It's like they've never seen a map before, and they just said, oh, Ohio's more of a vibe than a place anyway. Yeah, I completely agree. And the one thing I will give them credit for is they tried to put a guitar pick in there as well. For the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which is which is right there down the street. So I'll give them kudos on that. But the way they drew up Ohio was absolutely ridiculous. Uh, if you enjoyed the way we drew up this podcast, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review. Leave us a five-star rating. Make sure you check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel and DraftKingsNetwork.com or Samsung TV Plus for the live show. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Boom. Money in the bank. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done.